In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie. To support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from Coast to Coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome back, everybody, to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. I'm Arthur Staple, coming to you live from my son's bedroom, as always, as we've been in the last three months. And also joining us today from down in Florida, another incredibly special guest, a, a man who a lot, a lot, a lot of Islander fans have very special memories of, and he has very special memories of, uh, of the Islanders as well with his time with the team, Mr. Jiggs McDonald. Welcome, Jiggs. Arthur, thank you. You're too kind. I uh, had a great run, and I appreciate the compliments. Well, uh, you know, we, we have no current hockey to talk about, but, uh, but it, it has been uh, a frequent topic around the internet and on our site and with a lot of people who care about the Islanders this, um, this past weekend being the 40th anniversary of the first Stanley Cup. But before we get to that, um, later today, Gary Bettman is going to announce uh, the NHL's plans, and plans being the operative word because we don't know if they're ever going to even come to fruition about a 24-team uh, playoff of sorts uh, that will be the, the the league's return to play. The Islanders will be involved. Um, the specifics haven't come out yet. Uh, but you, you've been around the league a long time, lots of different playoff formats, and I think people always talk about fairness or right or wrong or teams de- devaluing the the regular season, you know, you worked a lot in the era of 16 of 21 teams making the playoffs. What do you, what do you think of all of uh, these plans that you've heard of uh, for the teams coming back? And do you feel like this is maybe not a bad time to go to some format that's a little bit more inclusive? I think it's a perfect time. Uh, 24 teams makes good sense. The format that I've seen, Arthur, would have uh, the Panthers and the Islanders meeting in a best of three, all well and good. But as a fan, as if I were a player, if I were a parent of a player or the parent of a player's wife or girlfriend, I would have great concern. I, I'm not sure that, uh, depending, I guess, on just exactly where we are as far as the level of uh, the coronavirus concern. But I would, with a contact sport such as it is, I would have deep concerns about playing at all before maybe even December of uh, of 2020 January might make more sense in a condensed uh, season but I, I I understand certainly they want a Stanley Cup winner from 2020 but at what cost I just and with the border the, the problem between Canada and the US where are they going to play these games there are so many things to to take into consideration better minds than mine I'm sure have worked on this I just hope it can be pulled off in total safety for everyone. Exactly. And we, you know, there's uh, certainly from our end, uh, you as a retired broadcaster for many years, me as a traveling beat writer, um, 
What would be your your view is, you know, if you were still the Islanders broadcaster or working for a team, um, you know, I, I don't know what the restrictions are going to be. I imagine they're going to be quite limiting as far as any extra people. But uh, did you ever call games off of a off of a monitor in a studio? And, and was that would that be something that uh, that you wouldn't mind doing if you were still working today? I think if I were a lot younger, perhaps <laughs> the, the short answer is yes, I did. Not at the National Hockey League level. I called a couple of games off the monitor during the Olympics mm-hmm. in the, in Norway for for Turner for TNT. Uh, we would be down at the arena in the cave. Community name escapes me right at the moment, but uh, we would pick up the last ten minutes or the last uh, period, perhaps, of a game that was being uh, played further up the road that had some significance or importance. It isn't easy. I. I I have great, great respect for the guys who uh, do the world championships or have done world championships in the past off a monitor and a feed coming from Europe. It's uh, difficult to pick up line combinations, who's on the ice, who isn't. Uh, it, it just, it's a whole different workload. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a challenge for, I think, for everybody. I, you know, we talk, we've talked uh, a little bit on this show uh, about locker room access and what that's going to look like and interviewing players. Um, Oh, yeah. And how do you keep a social distance on the ice? I talked to a player. I just have to share this one with you. I talked to a, a former player recently who said, hey, Jiggs, you know the way I stuttered? Did I spit on guys at least three times a game when I was playing <laughs> accidentally? No. No, I, I just think there are so many things that have to be taken into consideration, ironed out here before. Uh, where do you put these players You've got medical staff involved, trainers. Yeah. So like you said, there's just a whole contingent here, uh, including broadcast, uh, newspaper coverage, uh, internet coverage. It, it just it's mind-boggling. But uh, we'll see what the commissioner has in mind. Yeah, like you said, better minds than ours have uh, have been devoting many many weeks to try to figure this thing out. So uh, hopefully, their the precautions will be as as airtight as they possibly can be, and maybe. In a couple of months, when they're ready to get this thing going, uh, the 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 world and the country will look a little bit more, um, a little bit more, I don't know, uh, a little bit more under control with the virus. But um, we can only hope. We indeed. can. So uh, we'll move on to some some cheerier topics. Um, back in the uh, in the nineteen seventies, when you had started your career working for Jack Kent Cook in the LA Kings, which you and I have, you've shared many stories with me on our <laughs> travels about uh, what a wild time that was. Then you were in Atlanta and then you ended up on the island. Tell me how that all came to be. And you certainly came to the Islanders at the right time. Yeah, I really did. Uh, I've often referred to it as being an ambulance chaser, uh, just jumping on a situation that uh, really I, w- I was very fortunate in hindsight, didn't think so at the time with the Atlanta Flames going out of business. There have been all kinds of rumors, Arthur, about the team demise. Uh, we're into a playoff series against the Rangers, and everybody is saying, well, this is it. The team had never won a playoff series and uh, had no, no chance of beating the Rangers that year either. And um, said, this is the last game, the last game in Atlanta. Turned out to be. Um, my situation... I was told once once the team was sold and definitely moving to Calgary that they had no interest, wouldn't be moving a broadcaster, so I didn't have to think about packing or finding a place to live out there. Um, free agent, I guess, if 
if you will. Uh, what happened in the meantime was that uh, I, I'm not sure if I was president of the NHL Broadcasters Association. I, I was an executive anyway, and I was uh, the guy selected to present the uh, Coach of the Year honor to Pat Quinn. And the, the dinner, the luncheon just happened to be on Long Island between games. And uh, following the luncheon, I was approached and asked how long it would take me to make a decision about becoming a part of the Islanders uh, television radio crew. I said, well, <laughs> not so quick, boys. I think we're staying in Atlanta. There was a report, of course, that uh, an actor, uh, Glenn Ford, was going to buy the team. Everybody felt that Ted Turner or combination of Turner and Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola would keep the team in Atlanta. Um, so I, I just said, no, I, I, I think we're staying. Then it was the 31st of May when the announcement was made, and I got a call from the New York Islanders, or Nassau Sports Productions it was at that time, and the question was, are you ready to make the move? Well, you know, am I taking somebody else's job? No, you're not. Steve Albert had a decision to make whether he would continue with hockey or do baseball, and I've, I've often talked about this in Howie, in respect to Howie, uh, Howie Rose, of course. Uh, here's a decision. Are you doing hockey or are you doing baseball? Howie mm -hmm. did both, but back in 1980, Steve had to do one or the other. He selected baseball, and uh, the hockey job became mine. And if I can just uh, add something here, Arthur, I, I thought I was just going in to be the new uh play-by-play -play voice, I guess, if will, or TV or cable. And it turned out over the course of two seasons, I replaced two other broadcasters. Three, actually, I guess, when you when you stop to think about it. Yeah, three broadcasters. Yeah, it's uh, you were kind of the uh, the only game in town for uh, for the Islanders yeah. for a long, long time. And and the, the you know, we, Eddie had already done, he'd retired the year before and, and done color Eddie Westfall for the one season. Um, people remember you as, as, you know, Jigs and Eddie, it's, it's a combination. How was that? How was that? Uh, and did you know him at all from his playing days? And how was the, how was the comfort level easing into that job with him? You know, reality is I knew his brothers better than I knew Eddie. I, I don't think I really knew Eddie other than to say, hello, it was a Westfall from Oshawa. So not really knowing Eddie, but uh, knowing of his background, of course, the Bruins and uh, what he had meant to the New York Islander franchise. I felt we would mesh. We did. And as Eddie loves to say, we were together longer than a lot of marriages, so 15 <laughs> seasons together. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, and and certainly coming in when you did at the as the team was uh, was just getting underway with the dynasty run. Um, how did that make it feel for you? You know, you, you, sometimes you, you come in with a team as a broadcaster or a media person and, and uh, they can embrace you right away. But sometimes also when they have such a good team and they're rolling so well, they might, uh, it just might feel a little insular. How was, how was that uh, for you to get in uh, kind of at the, almost at the height of the, uh, of the dynasty? It, it couldn't have come at a better time. Really, Arthur, uh, everybody was on board the the team was so good. You had you had personalities. You had uh, uh, guys like well, look at the number of superstars. Look at the guys who've gone to the Hockey Hall of Fame. So it wasn't like I was trying to sell a bill of goods. I was just uh, basically wrong. 
to um, identify mm-hmm. identify the player. I, unlike Atlanta and the LA days, I wasn't teaching the game. didn't uh, didn't feel compelled to uh, to explain offside or <laughs> icing and that kind of thing. So it uh, it, it was a, an adjustment. It was a little, as far as the family was concerned, it was a little more difficult adjustment than it was for me. Uh, our daughters, I believe, uh, grade 10, grade 7, maybe. Or, yeah, grade 7, I think. So it was a, a difficult move from that standpoint. But uh, as the season went along, uh, you recognize just how good this team was. And then, of course, winning the Stanley Cup, their second, my first, uh, never experiencing anything like that. It said, wow, isn't this something? And Bill Torrey, Bill Torrey told me when the job came along and uh, we talked in Montreal at the annual meetings, the Saturday morning entry draft, he said, we're going to win this for a lot of years. Come on along for the ride. And I recall saying, Bill, geez, you, know, you if you go back to Philadelphia for game seven, do you think you win there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said, you'll see. You'll see. If you take this job, you'll see. And I did. He, <laughs> he was right. What a hockey team. Um, and like you said, personalities really. And I think, uh, seeing you back on the Island this past season for, for the Jersey retirements for Butch Goring and for John Tonelli is, uh, you know, and seeing all of the guys, uh, I think for a lot of younger fans is a reminder that, um, when you have a team that stays together that long, which is impossible to have these days, um, not just the, la- not just with the success, but just being able to retain your, your core stars for that long without worrying about salary caps and egos and things like that. What was that like? Uh, I imagine that there were some some interesting uh, scenes on on planes and in hotels uh, when you have a bunch of guys who are that successful together for a long time. There can be whether it's friction or enjoyment to the extreme. Uh, do you have a couple of most fond memories from behind the scenes with that group early on? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I would. I, I seem to fit right in immediately. It was, uh, and I think a large part of that was due to the trainers, knowing Ron Wosky, knowing uh, Jimmy Pickard, and I'd known Jimmy Pick uh, going back to the L.A. days. It was like, uh, Jiggs is an all right guy. Jiggs, <laughs> Jiggs is okay. If you guys are going for, for a brew or a cup of tea after practice or after games, he's not going to betray any confidences. Uh, he's okay. So the Clark Gillies, the Bobby Bournes, the Bobby Nystroms, the Billy Smiths, especially, and, and Smitty, of course, had been in LA when I was there. Mm-hmm. So the, the acceptance factor was pretty good. Uh, personalities, like we've said, uh, you, you look at, uh, at Clark Gillies and, and his uh, ability to sing, do a lot of the uh, Kenny Rogers stuff, Johnny T's, Mr. Islander, Elvis impersonations that... Uh, that are available, I guess, on the internet now. <laughs> um, Dennis, Denny, I mean, there was a cross-section of personalities that was just just sensational to be around. Uh, plane trips, uh, late nights, uh, everybody had everybody's back, Arthur. It was, it was a lot different. I, and I think now, had, had social media been around in the 80s, uh, there might have been some short careers. <laughs> because uh, uh, the guys had a tendency to, uh, to break curfew from time to time, but they, they knew when to shut it down, when everything turned to the importance of being ready 
for that run, April, May, early June in some cases, but usually it was over by the end of May. Yeah. Yeah. You, when, you know, the, talking to some of the guys around the 40th anniversary and the, you know, the, the heartbreak that they'd experienced uh, the two seasons prior and losing, you know, having two of the best teams in the, in the league each year in 77, 78 and 78, 79, losing to the Leafs at home in a game seven uh, and then losing to the Rangers in 79. I think there was some fear that, that Bill was going to break things up. But once they got over that hump, you were there for you know, 81, 82, and talking to the guys, what, do you feel like 81, 82 was the best team that you saw? They they seemed that year to be almost unbeatable, and it seemed in talking to them now that they felt that way. Yeah, 82. I would even think that uh, 82, 83, 80, 82, 83 were every bit as good as, as the 81 team. There had been some some tweaks, but um, and, and tweaks going into 84. 84 was just one of those things where uh, the number of games that they had played, the injuries uh, were adding up. Mike was, Bossy wasn't healthy. Danny had lost his father. Dave Longevin had lost his father, I think, that season. I don't think Smitty was 100%. Plus, you were putting people like Pat LaFontaine mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Pat Flatley into, into the lineup. Hal maybe gave them a little more responsibility than some of the veterans thought he should. But... Uh, by the same token, Edmonton Edmonton learned so much from the 83 series that uh, they just gelled. Uh, that there's no no doubt that speed and the youth that they possessed up against that Islander team of 84. But yeah, 81, 82, and I, I, would, I would even put the 83 team in there as well. Yeah, yeah, and... and... I, I was going to ask you about kind of the transition away from the from the dynasty for the few years, uh, and in some cases, kind of abrupt. You know, uh, even when when John Tanelli was back, it it was a reminder that he was away from the Islanders for a long time, feeling some with some hurt feelings. You know, Clark Gillies and Bob Bourne, two of the closest friends, yeah. and still to get to this day, close friends for fifty years, uh, left right around the same time uh, after eighty five, eighty six, when when Al retired. What did it feel as abrupt as as history sort of makes it out to be, or did guys kind of understand that uh, after a couple of years of of people starting to get a little older, uh, that that things were going to change? Yeah, no, they they didn't accept. Um, you know, Sam Pollock had a had a kind of a benchmark, I guess you could say, with the Montreal Canadiens: trade a player, get something in return, while the player has a year, maybe two seasons. Productivity left. Um, he, he made a he made a career of trading draft picks or getting draft picks from people like the Los Angeles Kings, the Oakland Seals, and several others, and just getting ready players with a year or two left. I, I think of when Brian Trache was moved. And it's the, the old line: Yeah, you can continue to play like that, but you can't play like that here. Um, you know it. It hurt. It hurt. Fans were, were really bitter. Uh, players carried uh, some animosity toward uh, Bill Torrey and Al, maybe to a degree as well. But it's it, the transition. You you have to make room for youth. You, you've got to keep that lineup young. Uh, Cliff Fletcher, general manager in Atlanta when I was there, and then later in Toronto, Calgary, too had a theory as to what age group, so many at this age, so many here, so many here. 
and so many in your farm system, so mm-hmm. many available uh, in the case of injury or trade, how, who you're going to move or what ability you're going to move to get the piece that you need in your lineup. And uh, I think hindsight being what it is, fans didn't accept what uh, Bill Torrey was doing, Arthur, but he he had a game plan. Uh, granted, it didn't work out. It didn't continue on and on. It was quite a few more years before the team was as competitive as they had been. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, you and Bill were friends for a long time and down in Florida as well. Did it, did it hurt him to, you know, having built the bet, you know, probably the, the last four consecutive championship team, maybe in any sport that we'll see for a long time. Did it hurt him to have that reaction after, you know, whether it was from his loyal players or from the fans? Yeah, it did. It it hurt. Uh, I, I could tell, and he would never admit it, but you could tell. Even the the Pat Lapone uh, Tang trade to Buffalo took a toll on Bill. Something that he didn't want to do, but he just would not go to the mat. He, if you, if you wanted to get into um, negotiation, was one thing, but if you held out, if you made an issue of the situation, that was it with Bill. Game over, and it hurt him to do it, but it was it, it was his mo, and um, he stuck by it. And uh, and you were there for kind of the the last great run of the Islander teams in nineteen ninety two and ninety three. Was that as surprising as it's? I mean, you know, like you said, the the Lafontaine trade had been uh, a little bit before, and obviously Pierre Turgeon was a, an incredibly talented player. Um, and there were some other talented players. Ray Ferraro was a 40-goal scorer. Benoit mm-hmm. Hogue. Uh, it was a good team, but it was a very good division, too. And, and uh, was the was it a, as pleasant a surprise as it seemed to be to everybody else around the it league that, that run? Yes. <laughs> yes, it sure was. You, you look at, uh, at the talent of uh, Darius Kasparaitis. You look at uh, Richie Pilon. You look at some of the names that, that uh, go unheralded, really, from that 93 team, uh, Hills was pretty good. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to go back, take a look at that lineup and say, wow, mm-hmm. they, they accomplished more than, than anybody had uh, predicted for them. Uh, they were competitive. They were a good group of guys to a fun group. Stevie Thomas meant a lot to that, uh, that hockey team. Um, and of course the David Volick goal, uh, never forget that, that night in Pittsburgh when it, when they write the Islander history again and again, boy, oh boy, they took advantage of Pittsburgh, didn't they? Year after year, it seemed. <laughs> they, they went through Pittsburgh and then on to whatever. Um, but that, that night in Pittsburgh, to win that series and advance to play Montreal, wow. Yeah, they were, they were a good team. They, uh, and if we can go back just for a second, that, let's go back to 84, when the league changed the format. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going to that that two three two thing, right. uh, writing was on the wall. But that, that's a whole another another thing, <laughs> Arthur. Uh, there there are just so many so many great memories with that franchise. Yeah, and when your decision to to step away uh, a couple years after that ninety three playoff run, um, what went that into... wasn't my decision. Yeah, that, that was somebody else's decision. The the snowball was packed elsewhere. Uh, I had a I had agreed to a new contract, and all of a sudden I got uh, word that uh, it had been yanked off the table. And why? 
well, we don't need two guys to do one team. It was the way it was explained to me. And I said, what are you talking about? Well, apparently Mike Emmerich was under contract. I wasn't. And they were of the opinion that the Devils were going to uh, Nashville. They didn't need two guys to do the one team. So Doc would have been doing the Islanders and I would have been, I don't know that I was going to Nashville with them, but <laughs> with uh, New Jersey. But anyway, the uh, the agreement was, was yanked off the table and I was finished. Well, as you, as we talked about, uh, you know, the, when Howie stepped in and it was a long, dark road uh, for many years after that, and you still yeah. were doing some games uh, in other places. But when you came back uh, to do a few games uh, a few years ago when Howie would have to balance baseball and hockey and, and uh, give up a few games, you had mentioned that uh, it, it was a nice uh, reminder, I think, to a lot of fans who missed the Dynasty era and maybe missed all of your here is some of the new, the new, newer generation of fans to be reminded that uh, that Jiggs McDonald was a big part of uh, of the main history of the New York Islanders as, as a broadcaster. Yes. Yeah, and I have Howie to thank for that, and I really do. There were times I didn't thank him when I would end up in the uh, thirty below zero <laughs> type weather in Edmonton, but uh, be that as it may, uh, I often thought that there was an arrest warrant out for Howie in Minnesota <laughs> or somewhere because uh, he always avoided. St. Louis, Minnesota, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, Winnipeg. Um, I, I was shocked. Uh, he, he finally did get to Winnipeg, I think, and met Butchie's parents one year. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, in, in all seriousness, when um, I think, I guess the Mets were going to, they were either going to the playoffs or the Islanders were not going to the playoffs and that season was starting. I came in and, and filled in for a couple of games, and it was Howie who said, gee, you know, the, the fans enjoyed that. I think Jiggs enjoyed it. Why don't we do that in the future? And then he eventually cut his workload down by, I guess, seven, eight games a season, and uh, I got to do those far away games, as, as I like to call them. And uh, it, it just it kept my identification with the Islanders alive. And... Um, was a nice return. It was, I was, I don't know that bitter is the right word, but I was very disappointed with the way um, my first 15 seasons ended. And uh, to be able to come back like that was, uh, was something very, very special. Yeah. And, uh, and to think in the mid nineties, when sort of the changes, whether it was ownership, um, all the all the things that the Islanders underwent uh, after that, between kind of between the time that you were gone and the time that you got to you came back to do a few games, it's uh, oh yeah the were, the ownership changes the the, uh, the the uniform change to the fishermen uh, yeah there were a lot of a lot of things went on there uh, coaching changes I think of Terry Simpson I think of Brian Kilray uh, some of the people that uh, that didn't really get the opportunity to uh, to show what they could do with mm -hmm. the franchise. There, there was just a uh, everything instantaneous. Let, let's not be patient here. Let's let's make changes, quick, quick, quick. Uh, and it doesn't work that way in hockey. No, and it took the Islanders franchise a long time to to realize that. So sure uh, did. But yeah, it's uh, you know I think for a lot of fans, uh, myself included, as a young Ranger fan, hearing your voice meant uh, watching a team that was as dominant as any team has been in the last half a century. So, 
uh, it's great to hear from you, Jigs. It's great to hear that things are that you're doing well and staying safe. And uh, we hope to hear your voice, whether it's here or elsewhere, again really soon. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, Arthur. We'll get to the 2014 return to play format for the NHL in a minute, but first, a word from Hawthorne. Remember, smelling good is important, even if you're stuck in your house for three months. Hawthorne smells really good, and getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. Father's Day is coming up, sounds like a perfect gift for dad, even if you've been stuck in the house with him for a long time. Take a quick two minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you one for work and one for play. It's totally risk free with free shipping and free returns. So check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Well, that was really special uh, to have Jake McDonald on the show and talking about... Uh, the anniversary, his almost his 40th anniversary of being the Islanders broadcaster, and we did touch a little bit at the start on uh, the NHL's return to play format that's uh, announced today. Um, obviously, like we said, plans. There's not really anything else concrete in place other than a format that they're going to have, and uh, it appears to be 24 teams, uh, 12 from each conference, um, in a uh, top four teams get buys, and then kind of a, an NCAA March Madness style bracket. The Islanders would be the seven seed in the East. They'd face the 10th seeded Florida Panthers. Jigs mentioned it was best of three. It's probably going to be best of five um, in that first play-in round or whatever they're calling it. And then uh, if the seeds were to be were to hold among the buy, teams that get the buys, the winner would face most likely, the number, if the Islanders would advance, they'd face the second seeded Lightning. So um, familiar playoff opponents from 2016. I think a lot has changed since then, but... Uh, but, you know, the format for me is, um, you know, I've seen on Twitter and it's Twitter. So, you, you know, that you're going to get some complaints that it, it devalues a bit of the, the regular season. But it's funny having jigs on and thinking back to the 80s when it was one seeded one through 16 and only five teams missed the playoffs. Um, there's precedent for lots more teams than you think would be deserving making the playoffs. Uh, there's precedent for having shorter earlier rounds just by virtue of back in the old days it was for money because they couldn't afford to have everybody traveling during the playoffs if it was you know say Islanders LA as it was one year in the first round um so um whatever I think gets the most fan bases interested uh I think is good and I think for the Islanders this format is probably better than the traditional format because they were just going to scrape in um, you know, if they if they did it by points percentage, I think they would be the last team in in the East, which meant as a second wild card they would have played the Bruins in the first round. And everything's a crapshoot with so many months off, and then a training camp. You never know who on whether they were on a good team feels motivated to return, or te- players on bad teams, uh, even teams that were struggling rather, like the Islanders, uh, getting healthy, getting a different mindset than they'd been stuck in for a couple months to, before the pause came. Um, so everything is up in the air, but I think this maybe is a little bit more egalitarian because it's the Islanders and Panthers, I think, were separated by a point when the pause came. Uh, so that's that's a pretty fair matchup. And whether this, the teams that have the buys can get in enough work before they face uh, their first-round opponent or whatever the league is going to call it, um, that's all to be determined. I think you just everybody's in the same boat. Everybody has to be ready. 
I think some things playing in the Islanders' favor. As we said, they'll be healthy uh, for the most part. We don't know about Adam Pellick's availability uh, after t- rupturing his Achilles back in January. That's usually a six-month injury. Um, six months would be, I think, the first week of July. So he does have a chance if that's right around the time that these training camps are going to start. You know, I would imagine we'll see him on the ice unless there's some injury information we haven't gotten yet from the Islanders that makes this more complicated. But if he's back and able to skate, there's a chance he could play. Uh, Casey Zizekas will be ready to play. Johnny Boychuk will be ready to play, both guys that were out with skate cuts. Um, so the Islanders will be at full health. Uh, they will presumably, like every other team, have a taxi squad of some younger guys since the AHL season's been canceled. Um, so they'll have some other younger, healthier bodies perhaps available if guys start to get some tweaks, uh, the older guys from jumping back on the ice after being so idle for so long. Um So I'm curious to see where they jump in. And really, uh, I think Barry Trotz uh, is a guy who has had his two Islander teams very prepared to start the season. And if you're comparing this restart to any uh, anything that was from the previous old uh, traditional normal NHL, it's the start of a season and the Islanders were 16, three and one to start this season. So um, I think they'll be they'll certainly be prepared They have a coach and a coaching staff and a and a front office that will have them prepared. So I'm, I, I think you have to be optimistic about the Islanders' chances in this short series against Florida, uh, a team that struggled defensively before the pause. Um, and then beyond that, who knows? It's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a wild uh, situation. I, I certainly, like everybody else, hope that they can figure out a way to to do this safely um, in two or four hub cities. Uh, and I hope the hockey is good with no fans in the stands and. Um, We'll have to see about all of that, but I, as far as the format goes, uh, I think they're on a good track, and I think it's something that uh, that might benefit the Islanders. That's all we've got for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to Jiggs McDonald for joining us. Uh, great to hear from a legend of the broadcasting world uh, and certainly someone who so many Islander fans uh, think highly of and, and associate uh, those great teams with. We'll be back again next week with another guest and maybe some more news about uh, the NHL's coming back. So thanks again. Take care, everybody.